Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. As it is divisional weekend in the National Football League, which means I'm joined. By our jack of all trades at Full Slate, Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven at full underscore slate underscore pod. He manages our podcast Twitter as well. Alex, good to have you aboard, my man. Are you ready for the best weekend in football? What's up, buddy? Yeah, I am super. I couldn't be more excited. And you agree, right? Like it's the perfect mix of quality and quantity. Uh, Absolutely. Like there's no TV at the bar game. And yet yeah. there's still four games to watch. Yeah, not a single game over a touchdown. Couldn't ask for better matchups. I I think Niners are actually a way more interesting game than if we had Dallas. I think Dallas would get absolutely smoked. In yeah, oh, right. I agree. So this is something that I've talked to a lot of people about. I know last week wasn't super interesting and the two best games were clouded with officiating questions. Dallas, San Fran and Cincinnati, Vegas. But now that we come out clean on the other side after those blowouts in the other games and the officiating questions we felt like the close games had, doesn't it feel like we have the best eight teams in the NFL left? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the one team that you could argue isn't one of the top eight would be Cincinnati, and they're only a a three-and-a-half-point dog against the number one seed, so... 
Right, that might speak more to the Titans there. It might, but uh, it just. But no, I agree. We're in for four good games at least. That's now I realize there could be a blowout here, but um, yeah, I mean there'll probably be one. There'll be one. I I could see the Titans maybe somehow blowing them out if you know they get a ton of pressure and several turnovers on the Bengals and. Right there. Uh, Let's not waste any more time. Let's go to Nashville, where we begin the (laughs) divisional weekend with the Tennessee Titans coming out of their bye week as the number one seed hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati catching three and the hook, a total in this game of 47 and a half. Uh, Alex, let me just ask you this first. I uh, talked about this a little bit with some buddies and coworkers this week as well. Do you think this is a house money situation for the Bengals? Is there such a thing as house money when you get to the divisional round of the playoffs? Clearly, they're the one team of the eight where nobody's really giving much of a chance to win the Super Bowl. I feel like most of these other teams you could see hoisting the Vince Lombardi trophy, whereas Cincinnati, I feel like you're you're not singing that same tune. And they're a young team, young coach. Jamar Chase might be the rookie of the year. Burrow's a second-year quarterback. Do you think this is a house money situation for the Bengals or do you take the kind of approach of, well, you never know when you're going to be back and you got to capitalize and strike while the iron's hot. And, you know, in the case of the Bengals, you know, if the Steelers and Browns can kind of solidify their quarterback situations, those are ready-made rosters around the quarterback where all of us and the Ravens were riddled with injuries where all of a sudden the Bengals could miss the playoffs as early as next year. So I'm just curious how you look at this game uh, you know, and if you think it's a house money situation or not. I actually do think this is a house money situation, which is weird in the NFL because, you know, these are all professionals and with so much turnover, you know, we'll always see a ton of playoff teams miss the playoffs the next year. So, you know, you could see them not being back, but with such a young, inexperienced roster, I think they're just so excited to have, you know, their first playoff win in decades. Like the whole, that was their Super Bowl. Right. Just to advance in front of the home crowd was just, it was massive. So, okay, situationally here and intangibly, I think all of that stuff points to Tennessee, right? You talk about uh, the first playoff win for Cincinnati in three plus decades. Then you look at the Tennessee side of the equation. This is a team that has won in the playoffs. You know, not a, not not a Super Bowl with this group, but a team that has won in the playoffs and gotten to an AFC Championship game two years ago. And you know, if it's not for that crazy Mahomes run at the end of the first half of that game, Tennessee might have won that game. They were ahead on controlling play in the first half at Arrowhead and that Mahomes run really changed everything in that game. So it's clearly a Tennessee team that's seasoned. And isn't it weird to like, think though that they're still being disrespected? Like everyone's saying, saying you know, like this is I one of the worst that, one seeds we've seen. And they were so close to they've been pretty dominant. Right. And that's the thing for as much as we look at Cincinnati and say, well, happy to be here. Good for them. You should look at Tennessee should be, super hungry here and I know it's the playoffs and everybody should be but the Titans are like the most the you know the least talked about number one seed in the history of the NFL it feels like and you know I can go back to my Eagles and nobody wanted to give them a shot to even beat Atlanta you know they do that and then you know Minnesota 
you know, was a favorite in the, you know, road favorite in the NFC championship game. And New England was a favorite in the Super Bowl. So I'm not saying Tennessee is going to win the Super Bowl and they are favored here, but it does feel like they're getting kind of disrespected for a number one seed. And I, I just think that, you know, certainly if you like Tennessee, I, you know, bet them on the spread. And maybe, as you said, to open the pod, maybe this is the blowout. Maybe you look at an alternate line because if I'm the Titans, you know, I, I think they got to be pretty motivated to uh, really come out of the gate hot here. Uh, you know, so maybe a stack or, or something because of the four games, this is the one that I think has the most blowout potential. So if you haven't figured out by now, I'm definitely leaning with Tennessee on the side. Yeah, I like the alternate angle. I laid the three and a half with the Titans. Mike Vrabel, he's 8-0 against the spread with eight-plus stays off. And I think the Bengals losing that defensive tackle, Ogunjobi, that's massive. He's a very stout up the middle. I can see the Titans just really running the ball well here and controlling the game. And then you look at the Bengals' side, Tennessee – they rank ninth in the NFL in sacks per game in the regular season. They had two and a half sacks per game. The Bengals gave up the most sacks in the league, and I don't think that's going to improve. Their offensive line is not very good, as we've seen. I think Bud Dupree in that front is really going to control the game. Like I was saying earlier before the pod, I could see several turnovers. That's why I think this has the potential to be a blowout, if any game is. I could just see – a couple of sack fumbles or, you know, some pressured interceptions. I really like the Titans here to get after the quarterback and just make Burrow make some mistakes that we haven't really seen him make to this point. He's been really good, and that, that air attack's really awesome. But when you have a solid pass rush and a really good front seven, it's going to put a lot of pressure on that passing attack. I could see them really disrupting Burrow. And, oh yeah, I really like the Titans here. Yeah, and and that's the thing. I think that this does feel like kind of a rubber meets the road spot for Cincinnati where uh, things would just kind of fizzle out. And as you said, the pass rush for Tennessee, pretty good. The pass protection for Cincinnati, lackluster. So you would think that, you know, there might just not be enough time for Burrow to hit those downfield shots to Jamar Chase. I'll say this. If you like Cincinnati, I think it correlates to the over because I don't think Cincinnati is going to be able to win a lower scoring game. And if you're the Bengals, I actually think you want to get into a higher scoring game because at that point you take your chances with the better quarterback here. No disrespect to Ryan Tannehill. He's not bad, but Burrow is definitely the better quarterback. So if you're the Bengals, you should come out here. And if it's a, if they feel it's a house money situation, they probably don't. That's more of something for us to just talk about. But I do think if you're the Bengals, you should come out with a little bit of a nothing to lose mindset here. It was something I was frustrated in last week watching my Eagles was the fact that they weren't taking chances and they weren't taking shots down the field and they weren't coming out like a team that had nothing to lose. I think that's the way the Bengals should approach this game. And if they're successful doing it, it means they're going to score quickly. So I do think if you like the Bengals, you should look at the over as well. Yeah, I can certainly see that. Maybe you do a same game parlay of a couple of anytime touchdown guys and the Bengals to win. Cause exactly. If they're going to win, yeah, it's going to be high scoring. You know, Jamar Chase and Uzoma, they're going to find the end zone. I would, I would probably play that if I was going to play the Bengals at all. Right. So just a little bit of an 
alternate angle there. Uh, Alex, one last, excuse me, one last thing here as we record on a Thursday evening. We can't let this game go without addressing the return of Derrick Henry for Tennessee. Clearly, he has been a rock for them in the playoffs. And I mentioned that playoff run to the AFC Championship game two years ago. They really rode him as far as they could ride him with the playoff wins in Foxborough and Baltimore before ultimately losing in Kansas City. What kind of Derrick Henry do you think we're getting here? And what do you think we see? I'm going to look it up now to see if the prop numbers are out for him. But what do you think we see in terms of the uh, rushing yards? Are we going to get you know, normal numbers, you know, Derrick Henry numbers that would kind of project him to be at full health, or is there going to be a little bit of a, uh, you know, a, a depreciation there uh, kind of waiting to see just like, what do you think we get from King Henry here? That's a great question. I'm looking at DraftKings now and they don't have a line for Henry. Up right. yet. So I guess they're kind of hesitant on his, on his health and how effective he can be. I mean, I saw some clips from him practicing and, I mean, he looked he looked as normal as you can in practice. I think if this is a, a no questions injury, I would not be surprised if you saw like a hundred, hundred ten or something crazy. I know some so of like his total to get up to like a hundred twenty. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't really know what to expect. I know they're gonna they're gonna definitely give him a ton of touches. I think. I was gonna say, do you think the game here for Tennessee is to feed him like he's healthy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they they don't really have any room to to lose this game. I think if you are going to win this game, they're really going to want to control the ground game. I don't know how effective he might be, but I think if you're looking at anything, granted, yeah, there's no numbers up yet, but I would be very curious to see what his rushing attempts is. I always like to play those attempts versus yards because you know they're going to feed him earlier and often. Sure. It's a matter of how effective. That way you don't have to bank it. on the efficiency. Right, exactly. That's a good look. All righty, let's move forward and go to America's Dairyland, where the Green Bay Packers are a five-and-a-half-point home favorite against the San Francisco 49ers, total in this game of 47, uh, so a nearly identical total, spread a couple points higher for the home chalk. Uh, Alex, I'll start here. It does look like uh, Green Bay, and we have a little bit of a crossfire here on the side. It does look like, not Green Bay, excuse me, since San Francisco dodged a little bit of a bullet with regard to the uh, injuries, and it seems like the 49ers, uh, Nick Bosa, I think is going to be just fine, and uh, I guess it seems like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play and and gut it out, and I guess we'll see – to what degree he is limited uh, by his thumb injury. But Bosa was a full participant today, so he definitely looks good to go. Actually, I should uh, double-check on Fred Warner as well because he's obviously an integral part of that defense for San Francisco as well. But uh, it feels as if San Francisco is uh, good to go. Yes, uh, Fred Warner per Nick Wagner, uh, 49ers reporter for ESPN, practiced in full today and so he's good to go as well so it doesn't seem as if the injury situation for San Francisco was as fatal as it might have been when you saw those guys get hurt against Dallas last week 
So for that reason, I like the 49ers catching five in the hook. There were some sixes out there, so maybe you could still grab one. I look at this the way that San Francisco has been defending the run and running the football, and I think it is completely conducive to playing in the cold conditions of Lambeau Field. I don't worry at all about a warm-weather team going to Lambeau. In fact, this is probably the best warm-weather team that would be most well-equipped to handle the elements of Lambeau Field in the middle of January. So I think San Francisco is a very live underdog here, and I look at the way the 49ers have been playing, and it feels a lot like the team that went to the Super Bowl two years ago. They're really doing a great job in the trenches dominating the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And that's the 49ers team that we saw clobber the Green Bay Packers in the NFC Championship game two years ago, albeit that was in Santa Clara. So a little bit of a different tune we would certainly expect here in Green Bay. But my point is this. If, you know, elements aside, home field aside, you're telling me that the team that won by 30 plus points in the NFC Championship game two years ago is now a five and a half point underdog. And as I said, I'm getting similar vibes this go around with San Francisco. I'm not saying they're going to the Super Bowl, but I am saying they're going to cover this number. I like San Francisco plus the points, but you say not so fast. (laughs) I do, and I know I'm absolutely walking into a trap jimmy g's one of the better quarterbacks as an underdog 13 and 5 outright he's 14 and 4 against the spread in his career as a dog i mean that's just incredible we know we love kyle shannon as a dog but i just i really like the packers game back zadarius smith and it looks like jair alexander he's questionable but he was limited um bosa also was limited in practice today with that concussion but all signs points in playing. I'm sure, you know, concussions, they just sweep under the rug. Similarly with this, like the COVID, we haven't seen a single positive COVID test during the playoffs. And I can't imagine we will. They just won't test it, won't disclose it. So, you know, Bose is going to be a go. But we love Aaron Rodgers at home. He's just absolutely incredible. It's really tough to pass up on him as less than a touchdown favorite, despite all these points when I'm saying, I know the Niners are probably the worst matchup. Like if this was the Cowboys, I would, I would be way bigger on the Packers, but Rogers. And, and you know, it's funny you say that if this was the Cowboys, the number might even be shorter, right? I think it would be shorter and you would just hammer the Packers. The Cowboys aren't built to play in these conditions. And they're also not built to run the ball like this Niners team. It's Elijah Mitchell right. has been so dominant, really impressive. This is the Niners team that really doesn't have to rely on Jimmy G. Like they could throw the ball 10 times and I wouldn't be surprised if they kept this very close or won the game. I just love an opportunity to bet Aaron Rodgers 12-5-1 against the spread off the bye. And then he's 69, 37, and four against the spread career at home. That's 65%. It's just a very good team. I'm really hoping they can just sell out against a run and make Garoppolo beat them, which I don't think he's capable of. Their entire passing attack really relies on that running game being successful, which the Packers defense is definitely lackluster against the run. So it would not surprise me if they had success. I'm just hoping they really, really sell out and just make Jimmy G beat them. And hopefully the Niners can't keep up. Definitely not in the strongest handicap, but Rodgers at home off of bye. You kind of have to take it. <laughs> 
I, I will say, Alex, I, and I'm curious as, as somebody that leans more on the Green Bay side of this. I, here's kind of the push pull that I'm at in terms of like I've already bet San Francisco full game, but do you, don't you think if you like San Francisco full game, you kind of also have to like them in the first half because we don't think that this is a 49ers team that's really built to play from behind, particularly with Jimmy G, even if he was fully healthy, much less, you know, battling through a thumb ailment. But the reason I stopped short of getting to the window with San Francisco first half as well is because, like you mentioned, maybe Aaron Rodgers does come out hot. Maybe Green Bay's up like 10 nothing or something after the first quarter, something that's not maybe insurmountable for San Francisco, but something that would still cover a first half line. What do you think about the first half in this game? Yeah, it's an interesting point. I I honestly think that the Niners' first half might be a a better look than the full game, like you mentioned. They're gonna the come out. The only thing that stops me is like, run. well, that's the the out of the buy stuff might matter more early if they're like rested and they had some time, more time to scheme up some stuff. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I I think there's really. Two schools but I suppose uh, you could also argue coming out of a bye being rested would help you more as the game goes on. Right, down the stretch. You're you're more rested and more ready to play a full 60 than, you know, coming out super dominant to start the game. Yeah. So you think if you like San Francisco, the first half's a better look or maybe correlates like I'm I, saying? I do. I, I do actually think it, it's a better look, interestingly enough. But after you mentioning it, yeah, I – I think that's a, a good way to look. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I may add San Francisco in the first half as well. Let's go from one NFC West team to another. Also on the road, it's the Los Angeles Rams catching a field goal, heading to Raymond James Stadium against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Looks like a juiced three. So uh, this number could be headed to two and a half. And we're seeing the Bucks. Uh, as the favorite, excuse me, at home, and a total of 48. So all these totals so far in a similar neighborhood, that will change when we get to Arrowhead Stadium. But having said that, you have Tampa, who really looked like the Super Bowl champs last week. I know it was the Eagles, but Tampa definitely turned it up a notch last week. And I think the big thing that you like here, if you're backing the Bucks as a short favorite, is the fact that Levante David came back and, you know, Shaq Barrett, JPP, their horses in the front seven are getting healthy. And that is where you look at it and say, well, they could make life hell for Matthew Stafford if that pass rush is able to unleash. We know that Tampa is very stout against the run. And the Rams, while they ran the ball a lot last week against Arizona, they weren't very efficient in doing so. So certainly Matthew Stafford is going to have to win this game, not necessarily single-handedly for Los Angeles, because I do think the Rams' horses on defense are going to have to have a say in this outcome as well, clearly. But Matthew Stafford's going to have to have a bigger day. He basically was fine last week against Arizona, but wasn't asked to do a lot, only throwing the ball 17 times. So I think that's what's really interesting here from a Rams standpoint. You don't expect that similar game script where they're ahead the whole time and can flirt with 40 rushing attempts as a team. You expect a more back and forth, if anything, maybe the Rams to have to come back. Ironically enough, we did see these two teams meet back in the beginning part of the regular season, and it was a blowout victory 
for the L.A. Rams, winning the game by double digits. And I'm going to double check the score again as it's escaping me off the top of my head. But it was at SoFi Stadium. It was very early in the season. 34-24, the final score for the Rams. Uh, But even that score is slightly misleading because the score after three quarters was the Rams leading by 14. So the Rams, the Bucks made it a little more respectable in the fourth quarter. Having said all of that, I just think that, you know, can Matthew Stafford have another big game like he did early in the season against Tampa, against Tampa Bay? How about four touchdowns and 343 yards for Matthew Stafford through the air in that one? That's, I think, the kind of game the Rams are going to need if they are to win in a shootout. Now, here's the other side of the equation here. I do think the Rams can win ugly. I do think the Rams, when you look at how well that Los Angeles defense played at SoFi last week against the Arizona Cardinals, that's a defense that has a lot of stars on that side of the ball as well. It's not just Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup on offense. It's Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald on defense. And I do think that it's a Rams defense and Von Miller, I knew I was missing somebody, that they brought in with the idea of trying to grind out a win here or there. And they may need to find a way to win 20 to 17 here. And I'll tell you this. I think the Rams can do that too. Now, just as I sing the Rams praises defensively, I opened the handicap talking about how the Bucks really looked like the defense that pestered Patrick Mahomes all evening long in the Super Bowl one year ago. So I think this is a pass for me on the side because I don't know which way it's going. And I don't know that I love this total either because I can see the Rams winning a high scoring game like they did in the regular season back in week three Stafford, as I said, 343 and four touchdowns. And I could also see, you know, the Bucks winning a high scoring game and Brady getting the better of Stafford. I could see the Bucks or Rams defense both kind of carrying themselves to a 2017 victory, like I said. I don't really know how this game's going to play out is my point. I have no lean on the side. I have no lean on the total. I think I'm going to pass the game. So I hate to say all that without a lean or a pick, but you can't force it. What say you here? I actually, I love the Rams in this spot. I love the matchup. I think the Ryan Jensen and Tristan Wirth's injuries are absolutely, they're massive. I think they are not being talked about nearly enough. We saw the Eagles really getting after the quarterback there towards the end when those guys were beat up and worse ankle injury. He really looked he looked bad. He wasn't getting off the ball. He had to go out. I just I love this this Rams front against those injuries. I would be kind of surprised if if worse plays. I think Jensen will, but an injured Jensen against Aaron Donald probably the best pass rusher up the middle we've seen in a very long time. I think those two injuries are huge. The Rams, they were fourth in the NFL. They had 2.9 sacks per game in the regular season. And I just, I love that, that middle rush against Tom Brady. I think the Rams are going to win this game outright. I think fairly convincingly uh, Tom Brady We've seen him struggle a bit against interior pass rushes because they get up in his face way quicker than, you know, guys off the edge where he can step up and be a lot more comfortable. Also, we've talked about on the pod before, McVay, he travels really well to the East Coast. He's 10-5 career against the spread on the East Coast. 
And then he's 12 and three straight up in those games. I think they'll be very much prepared. By the way, not that it necessarily uh, correlates because it's a night game and it's the central time zone. But Kyle Shanahan, we've talked about throughout the season as well, also very good on the East Coast and just travel in general, not as much of a problem for him. Yeah, and and also, like we've said many times, Kyle Shanahan as an underdog is a spot we like a lot versus him as a favorite. We like to fade him as a favorite. And that, that kind of goes the same here with McVay. I really like him to game plan well. Love him as an underdog. I think three is a great look, but I'm going to take the money line. I think they win this game outright. Yeah, so I guess, uh, do you just think that the Rams' best football is ahead of them? Because I think that we'll get to Buffalo in a minute, but that's probably the nicest thing you can say about the Bills, and we saw it last week. It was a little bit of a rocky regular season, both for the Rams and the Bills. The Rams had a really rough patch there in November when it looked like, uh, you know, and then they rallied to win the division, but they backed into winning the division because both the Rams and the Cardinals lost in week 18. And then they play probably their best game in that wild card round against Arizona, much like Buffalo probably played its best game in the wild card round against New England. So I think that might be the best thing the Rams have going for them is that that game last week really looked like they were peaking at the perfect time. Yeah, I completely agree. I do think their better football is ahead of them. And I also just think this is the perfect matchup. You have that very strong pass rush against some hobbled linemen. Like, even if and these guys thing, are right? able to go. If you look at the losses that Brady has taken in the playoffs, whether it be Tampa in the Super Bowl, or excuse me, uh, well, Tampa did it to Mahomes last year. But if you look at the losses Brady has suffered in the playoffs, against the Giants in those two Super Bowls, against the Baltimore Ravens in some big playoff games, the New York Jets in the Bart Scott can't wait game. They were able to disrupt him. Even the Eagles, even though Brady had 500 yards, the big play, Brandon Graham with the strip sack and the Eagles recover the fumble. There has been pressure on Brady. They have made, the opposing defenses have made him feel uncomfortable. You win against Brady with good pass rushes and a good front seven and getting after him. Usually, listen, as good as Jalen Ramsey is, if you have enough time and as good as your secondary may be, if Brady has enough time, he'll pick apart some holes. The Rams front seven really needs to win it for him if they're going to win it the way you're saying, right? And that's completely what I'm banking on. Also, that Bart's got can't wait. I mean, that was that might be one of the most iconic drops in the history of sports. Oh yeah, I'll never <laughs> never forget. That. I mean, that is very I just, vivid. Like I loved those Jets teams because <laughs> there was just a mindset about them where they were going to be the most physical football team in the NFL. They were gonna smash smash mouth their way to the top, and it almost worked. Getting to two NFC AFC title games. With Mark Sanchez at the helm. Alex, let me ask you this, though. I know. How incredible. I, I wish yeah. Rex Ryan got one. Got one it would have been. Let, listen, I really enjoyed been. watching those teams. And, you know, uh, they weren't exactly the most aesthetically pleasing on offense. But no, I mean, not, not at all. You know, it wasn't just Bart Scott, but Darrell Revis was just an absolute lockdown on the edge there. Uh, you know, Revis Island was very much a thing. You know, David Harris was another good linebacker. Uh, what was it John Abraham? Was he the stud pass rusher, if I'm remembering correctly? Oh, yeah. 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 Defensive end. He's exactly. Strong. Shout out to yeah. the two name crowd there. So, uh, <laughs> but no, let me ask you this last thing on Bucks Rams. 
I mentioned it in the regular season game, albeit back in week three. Rams 34, Bucks 24, Stafford 27 for 38, 343 yards and four touchdowns. Do you think Stafford has that kind of game in him where if you like the Rams, could they win a higher scoring game? Or do you think this ultimately comes and goes with the Rams defense? I think they'll probably have to lean on both. I think this will have to be a bit higher scoring, but I'm really banking on that that pass rush just disrupting everything. So I think it's going to be lower scoring on the Bucks end until you know maybe a couple garbage time scores. But yeah, I think I think the Bucks are going to be uh, very uh, hesitant. I think they're going to run the ball more. I think those offensive injuries are also huge too. No Godwin. You're going to have to lean on guys like Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson. And that's not exactly the workhorses you want. They're going to obviously try to shut down Gronk and double Mike Evans. And then what are you left with? You're going with like Ronald Jones and, like I said, Scotty Miller. It, it, Fournette I just don't think they have enough. Yeah, I, I actually didn't see that yet. But I know he was close last week, so that makes me think he will play. I just don't think they have nearly enough weapons. And I'm just really leaning on this this Rams defense to make life tough for Tom Brady. And it's really tough to fade Brady. I know I've definitely been on the wrong side of that for decades now, but I think this is just the perfect matchup for the Rams. I don't I don't think they could have ran into a better spot with those two starting linemen, you know, two all pro type of guys both going down last week and both did not practice today. So we'll see if they're a go. And even if they are really, how effective can you be? An ankle injury is really tough, especially on the offensive tackle. When you're going up against Vaughn Miller or something, that's going to be tough. Yeah. The one other thing I actually want to say on this, Alex, I want to uh, give you a little golf clap here. Because I think you got the best of the number on the total last week, Eagles Bucks, and it landed forty six. You got in at forty seven, right? I did. I did. There it is. I I did. Granted, I had a a parlay that hit, and that was the only leg that was voided. So I got that in later, but I did have forty seven straight up. So oh, and a straight bet. I, okay. So yeah, I definitely but I your hit parlay that. I had forty six. Yeah, and that voided, but the rest cashed, so, you know, it just dropped it down one leg with the void. But that's sometimes why you have to why you have to shop early. It just you really have to kind of predict what what kind of action you're gonna see, like whether you think the line's gonna go up or down. And in that case it was definitely trending down with reports of the weather, although it looked to be a pretty nice day come come that game and I guess the weather, the winds were still there, but there was no precipitation. It looked really nice, but the winds are definitely underrated. That's what I generally look to with the total. I don't weather, necessarily right. look at, yeah, look at cold weather, right, but yeah, exactly. Always um, hey, one other thing on this. It's not really a gambling thing, but I'm just curious, me being an Eagles fan and you being a Steelers fan, neither one of our teams really exactly inspired a lot of confidence in that wild card round last week. Neither one could even cover those big numbers. And of course, last year we also saw the Chicago bears lose by double digits in new Orleans against the saints in another one of the two, seven games. So we've, we've had this third wild card, you know, seven seed 
thing for two years now, and the only game that was close of the four was Indianapolis going to Buffalo last year and giving the Bills a run for their money. Uh, I understand that from a monetary, you know, financial standpoint, the NFL probably isn't going back. But, you know, and certainly if you're talking about the Chargers or the Colts in the playoffs, perhaps one of those other teams is giving the uh, the Chiefs a little more of a run for their money. Though in the NFC, I, I don't think that Taysom Hill and the Saints are giving the Bucks. Well, I shouldn't say that. The Saints actually have matched up pretty well with the Bucks, So maybe it's a bad example. All I'm head saying head, is, yeah. what do you think the future is of this three wild card per conference thing? Is this here to stay? Because honestly, I don't like it. I think it is here to stay. I don't love it, but I also don't mind it. I do like how it's only one one team that gets a buy. I think that makes the regular season way more important, which is exciting. That's probably my biggest problem with the NBA is that the regular like season the second is wild just card meaningless. Baseball, how it like makes winning your division that much more important. Exactly, and that that proves to have way more exciting matchups. It makes the regular season more important too. Which I like. I like when the regular season so actually matters. So you're fine with three wild cards and one buy, or is it more just the one buy element of it that you like, and not necessarily that it results in another team getting in? Yeah, it's more so that I just like it being only one buy versus the thing. The one buy is way more exciting. The buy is huge, as as we'll probably see going forward. Teams having to go to Tennessee versus you know Tennessee's going on the road. They're well, and certainly the NFC against, teams having to go to Lambeau, but, even though Tampa won there last year. Yeah, I think that that might be one of the biggest home fields left is Lambeau just around this time with the weather and that crowd. Yeah, I think it's huge. All right, let's wrap up in Arrowhead, where the Buffalo Bills visit the Kansas City Chiefs. Marquee game of the week. Tony Romo, Jim Nance will have the call for CBS and you know what, Alex, when we look at Buffalo catching two with a total of 54, I said that this feels like the square dog of the week. I think people are going to really be, even though Buffalo won the regular season meeting, I think the revenge angle is really going to be uh, pumped up here in favor of the Buffalo Bills. And kind of ironically, it could be a Buffalo revenge tour playoffs winning the rubber game against New England last week. If they are to eliminate Kansas City, the team that eliminated them last year, then if they go to Nashville, you'll remember the Monday night game in the regular season that Tampa, or excuse me, that Tennessee edged out uh, with a stop on fourth down in the red zone. And then if they get Tampa and Buffalo in the Super Bowl, that was a real close game in reg- the regular season that Tampa ended up winning in overtime. So could be a little bit of a revenge tour path for Buffalo to the franchise's first Super Bowl, but clearly this is the biggest task and may be the biggest task the rest of the way for the Bills if they are to get all the way to SoFi Stadium. I, I don't know. I, I, I hesit- I'll I be rooting for the Bills because I do think it's easy to latch on to the Buffalo Bills finally winning a Super Bowl. Um, I'm going to pass on this side. I would lean Kansas City. Um, I Mahomes has had a lot of success in this sub three favorite role. You know, we talk a lot about how he has been, you know, the chiefs have not covered these big numbers, but they've actually been very good in this kind of short favorite role. And that's where they are here. And I do feel like maybe there's a, uh, an element of 
kind of a you know not so fast here for Kansas City. They're still the home team, and you know while Buffalo scored on every possession last week, Kansas City you know basically did that after the first quarter. All right, so last thing here, I guess let's talk about this number, Alex. You're not as into home field advantage, but having said that, uh, Arrowhead is one of the better home fields, and at two. If you you don't think home field's worth three, but Arrowhead might be worth three, right? And so it's yeah, two, I don't know. I I, I think two, it's just saying Buffalo's been, a better team then. I think it's been diluted. I don't think any home field's worth that many. Maybe one or two points now, and this has to be so. You, know, you think one at or two, two compared Kansas to City favored? This is saying they're even teams. Yeah, I think this is like a neutral okay. site pick them. Uh, I will say as much as I pass on the side. I like the total and I like it under. It's just kind of one of those plays I like where, you know, and I could be dead wrong and maybe this is the easiest over the NFL playoffs, but I love playing unders when you have the uh, two offenses humming like this coming in. It feels like the perfect spot to expect some regression. It's still, you know, a Chiefs defense that did find itself a little bit there in November when the Chiefs were kind of winning ugly, right? So we at least saw the Chiefs defense, I mean, look at what they did against Dallas, that Chiefs defense. And that's obviously a Dallas offense with a lot of playmakers. And, you know, it's a Buffalo defense that also, you know, played last, played well last week against New England, obviously a much taller task here. But in the regular season meeting against the Chiefs, Buffalo's defense actually held its own. And, uh, you know, that was an arrowhead as well. So uh, it's a contrarian play, but one that I usually like to make. So I think I will go under 54. I am completely with you, dude. I love a, I love an under when it's this high of a total. I got 55. I know there's some 54s out there. It looks like DraftKings is down to Yeah, 50. Buffalo held Kansas City to 20 points in the regular season meeting and uh, under 400 yards, which, you know, against the Chiefs is not bad. No, and I also think this Kansas City defense has vastly improved since since that matchup. So I like the under even more. Right, it's funny. Like thirty-eight twenty was the final there. That's fifty-eight. That's barely over this fifty-four that we're seeing now. Right. To to get a total over this high, it really has to just break perfectly. It's you, have, you have a you have a couple drives stall out, and you got a maybe a drive and then a missed field goal, and your your overs cooked. Like, and under this this high, really has to go everything perfect. And we've seen these Chiefs home unders are. A very good look under Andy Reid with 47, 36, and one against the spread. And I saw this trend today that playoff totals between 54 and 56 points. Granted, it's a small sample size, but they're eight and one to the under since 2003. I think that just speaks to wow. how competitive playoff football is. And then you also have this great home field. Arrowhead, yeah, I think they're 1A and Lambo's probably 1B. I really like this under. I think the Bills team in general, especially this defense, they were they're built to to beat this Chiefs team. I definitely have a strong lean to the Bills. That might be more so just because I've been doubting the the Chiefs the last like five. Do you look at the splits by the way? I mean, it does it, it does feel like a square dog here, right? It does. Surprisingly, it's not. It's 
They're actually not. It's the least, the least bet side. Okay, of I don't know anything. No, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly shocked. It, the Bengals, we're seeing 38% of bets on the Bengals, 45% of bets on the Niners, and 58% of bets on the Rams. 37% of the bets okay. are on the Bills. I think that might just speak to how this is just a lower spread, so a lot of people aren't taking the points. That's also that's bet percentage against the spread, so you might be seeing a ton of people oh, just money lining the bills, lining instead bills of, right. yeah, instead of taking the points. So I think that I think the Rams are probably the squarest dog of the week, just because people naturally like to fade Tom Brady. I think that's just <laughs> just something people do out of <laughs> fucking spite. Yeah, everyone just does it out of spite. So you'll see those Rams numbers high. And then you'll have people like me who do it out of spite, but also just love that matchup. I'd lean the Bills, but I really like the under as well. Well, a consensus play on the under, and I'll tell you what, I'm pretty close to making the Titans a play of mine as well. So uh, if I get there, which I would expect myself to, but uh, I don't know. That does feel a little square now that you say those percentages. Consensus play, though, on the under in Kansas City, Buffalo, a crossfire on the side in San Francisco and Green Bay. Alex on the Rams and the Titans as well. Alex, that'll just about do it for me. Any final words, uh, you know, uh, places to watch the game for any DMV listeners? Are you going to be making a public appearance? We know you're a big public figure there in the DMV. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Good question. Maybe I'll go to my, my favorite local watering hole, First Down. If anyone's in the Arlington, Virginia area, definitely hit me up on Twitter. I'll buy you a beer or something. But I was curious what game you are most excited to watch. I think Bill's Chiefs is an obvious one, but I'm I'll tell you what, I'm excited really excited for Rams San Francisco Bucks. and Green Bay. Okay. Is that more yeah. so because that's the decide you like most or you I just mean, like the matchup that, it's I interesting mean, i also just really have liked the 49ers for a while i, I you know kind of getting back to what we talked about with the those jets teams like i can really appreciate the fact that you're able to just out tough teams on a weekly basis and i so i like that brand that san francisco has won with and i mean it's not as if while they don't have the quarterback to really sling it up and down the field. It's not as if Kyle Shanahan isn't, you know, in a cre- a creative offensive mind. And I love no, right. Well, like we, we saw him with, we saw him with Matt Ryan and they were just airing it out all the time. I, I agree. I think it's one of the more fun brands of football to watch because everyone else in the NFL is just chucking it, you know, 40, right. 50, like 50, I, I appreciate the fact that the 49ers find ways to kind of, uh, buck that, kind of trend that it feels like we're headed towards and win in a little more of an old school way, but still have a creative offensive mind like Kyle Shanahan calling the shots. Yeah, I completely and, agree. And I you know think what? It's fun. I had this discussion. Let me ask you, I had is staying in that game. I had this discussion with some coworkers. How big of a next three weeks do we think this is for the legacy of Aaron Rodgers? Because you have another really nice path to the Super Bowl. They squandered it last year. Even if you think he's back in Green Bay next year, I mean, I know he's got the one Super Bowl in his back pocket already. And if he wins the MVP, it'll be his fourth. And maybe that's more of an individual parameter. But, you know, 
it, it's I not mean, the it best feels look. Like, the it feels ones. like he should have, yeah, it feels like he should have, like, three. He should at least, right? Like, I think he needs another Super Bowl, right? Yeah, one one feels like he didn't do nearly enough. I I completely agree, especially with all this talk. I, I don't know. He just seems, like, hesitant to give an answer if he's going to be in Green Bay. He, I tell you he what, seems the, like he doesn't care that wait, much. The more I just think he stays, right? Yeah, why not? Just, it, you know? I mean, it's comfortable, and this team's built around him. It is pretty insane, though, the, the lack of weapons that they give him year in, year out. There was right. there was something like he had, like, one skilled position draft in the first round his entire career. They just find these guys. I mean, they got, like, MVS and, like, Alan Lazard and just guys like that is, like, what he's been working with his whole fucking career. Like, imagine this guy if he had, he had weapons like Debo and – you know, yeah. I know, obviously, he has Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, who are both very, very good, but that's about it. Imagine if he had a third option, which he Last really thing here, hasn't ever. Um, I read this week, Jeremy Fowler did a story. He's a pretty connected guy at ESPN, and he aggregated uh, 10 offseason predictions with anonymous sourced NFL executives. And one of the predictions was Jimmy Garoppolo to the Washington football team. You being in that area, uh, what do you think of that fit? And I'll throw your team in there as well. Do you think uh, Jimmy G could be a fit with the Steelers, if not Washington? I think I'm a bit higher on Jimmy G than most. Um, I think it'd so be you'd a take him way – I would take him in Pittsburgh. I think it's a way better fit in Pittsburgh. I don't think, I don't think this Washington team is quite built to run the ball like he would need, but, you know, the Steelers right. with Najee Harris. The Steelers, obviously, if they were to trade for a quarterback, then they're going to have to like The Steelers could kind of replicate San Francisco a little bit more. Yeah, but they completely they, have they to, need to bolster the, the offensive line. line. Yeah, and that's that's what they would do with, you know, their entire draft. I saw, I think it was Mel Kiper, you know, he puts out these, like, crazy early mock drafts, and he had the Steelers going for Matt Corral, the the old Miss quarterback, so that's interesting. Well, and of course, Penny Pickett's right in their backyard. I'm sure they've seen him plenty. I love it. You got it. I love love Penny Pickett. Would feel like the James Conner. I love you. Love a guy from Pitt that go. goes to the Steelers. Yeah, sign me up. All righty, there he is, Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven at full underscore slate underscore pod. Managing our podcast Twitter. I am Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on gambling Twitter. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. As always, you guys are the real MVPs of the podcast. Alex, let's have some fun and enjoy the best weekend of football. Yeah, buddy. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Everyone enjoy divisional weekend. And, of course, please play responsibly.